0: Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing, where we talk
1: about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, James, and we are Unashamed Unafraid. Jamesy. What's up, Steve?
0: You're a little under the weather. Appreciate you toughing it out. Thanks, man but it was worth it way worth it so um dude, this is like this is like this is my guy
1: i'm with you similar earning it, similar here yeah. similar stuff
0: leadership uh, just all good looking, right? I mean, just all the things that are just connected. And no, but um, what I love about the sharing this episode was um, serving in uh, as, as a bishop. So pastoral leadership, he's like the lead pastor in a congregation, right? And so um, the vulnerability of this episode that I want to share with everyone is a, a beautiful sharing of both of them, of the healing happening, not in perfectionism.
1: Which is what this podcast is all about.
0: Amen. If you'd like to be more connected with us, we are a, a non profit 51 501c3, so we invite you to go to unashamedunafraid.com slash donate, and you can also join us for the bonus content, which was awesome with this episode I'd name. Um, if you're in need of a scholarship, we invite you to go to unashamedunafraid.com slash scholarship. Give us five stars on iTunes. That's how the world finds us. And in any way, we'd love for you to just join us and be a part of the movement of truly sharing hope and story. Um, and this is just such a good example, both just as a person, as a leader, as a member of a family. Um, and so if that's you, we'd love for you to reach out to us love to know what you're doing to be unashamed um, you can do that on social media at unashamed and afraid on Instagram and Facebook and with that we will get with Brady and Aubrey Brady Aubrey how are you great you're doing good James a little under the weather but you're still upright
1: yeah I'm. I'm on the up and up I think of the under the weather.
0: I feel like general in life, you're on the up and up. <laughs> Thanks, man. So uh, speaking of people on the up and up, um, we, we were talking right before Brady and I about um, the proverbial uh, being unashamed about your story, Kool-Aid, um, that he and I both are drinking from the same well. So we're going to get into that, right, about um, how you have kind of stepped into leadership in your journey and different things like that. But um, tell us for you, what was the the dialogue and conversation growing up around sex, porn, those things? Like, how did that all come to be?
2: Uh, so I'm 34. So I think uh, I say, I think we're the same age. <laughs> uh, and kind of the same cultural thing, right? I was probably exposed to pornography when I was like 10, 11 weeks. I've been trying to remember like my first moment and I can't remember it. Uh, but sometime that general timeframe, I uh, started looking at pornography, found masturbation, found out those two things went together at some point, uh, you know, went several years going through that and I also, during this time in our church, got the priesthood, uh, you know, kind of had this like added responsibility, these added like interviews. Latter-day Saint,
0: raised as a Latter-day Saint. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So raising the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, uh, started having this extra responsibility, kind of this extra like worthiness element to it. And then I started every six months, our prophets, apostles speak about how bad and terrible pornography was. And... Kind of reinforced that everything I was doing was bad, and probably subconsciously believed I was bad. Uh, and I don't know that I understood the difference of those two things until the last few years, honestly. Uh, you know, through high school, struggled with it. I'd get better. You know, I, uh, you know, every night I would say, "I'm not going to do this again," and then maybe lasted a day, a few days, a few weeks, uh, and just kind of have that reinforced throughout my life. Uh, like every member of the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints, it's a young man. We're all encouraged to go on missions. Yep. Uh, you know, maybe throughout my school days, had a little bit of acting out with others, uh, but pretty minimal as far as that goes. Uh, never talked to our ecclesiastical leader or our bishop about anything. I uh, decided that I was, you know, I had outworked my sins enough that I could go on a mission. Uh, so, I felt like you and I I are (laughs) drinking the same (laughs) Kool-Aid. I tell you, when I, when I heard your story, I was, I was like, I, this resonates so much with me. Uh, you know, I thought, so when I, my stake president was a really good family friend of ours as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I didn't want to let him down, didn't want to let my parents down, didn't want to let all the people in, that I went to church with that all thought I was this different sort of kid. Because, you know, like most people that I've listened to on this podcast, we all get really good at kind of living the double life. and For sure. Yeah. So... You know, went on this mission. I was supposed to, like, fill the spirit and convert people and just walk up to people and say, hey, you want to get baptized? And they would jump in the font. But
0: Where did you go on your mission? uh,
2: St. Louis, Missouri.
0: All right.
2: Uh, Love the L. Yeah. Uh, Love it there. We just went back a few weeks ago. Uh, And my whole mission, I wondered, like, I'm not good enough to fill the spirit. Uh, That first week in the MTC was pretty much hell for me. Uh, Mm. I felt like I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to feel the spirit, but there's no way God can be in my life with the things that I've done and haven't talked to anybody about. So come home from my mission. Uh, My dad got made bishop either, uh, I think, while I was on my mission. Uh, So come home.
0: And bishop is like lead pastor. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Uh Uh,
2: So come home and... I have to do an interview with him so I can go to the temple. Uh, So I have a worthiness interview with my dad. And then he got to the question about, you know, do you obey the law of chastity or, you know, moral worthiness? And I broke down crying. I said, you can't give me a temple recommend. And... Uh, you know, I talked to him about some of the acting out I did uh, in my kind of school days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that we talked about pornography a whole lot because I thought, well, if I take care of the big thing, then the other thing I can just handle with God, right? <laughs> uh, and then uh, that, that was a really big moment in my life because I thought, you know, you always talk about like putting the face of dad on God. I mm-hmm. did that. Mm -hmm. and I thought he was going to be mad, disappointed, like, why did you tell us years ago? And it was the first time in my life I saw somebody else actually act and portray Christ. Mm -hmm. And so even though I had a different image of what God would look like, he gave me an image of what Christ actually was like, which is like, hey, it's okay. Let's work through this. I don't think this is as bad as you think it is. Mm. and I feel like that's how Christ would have responded to me. And so, cleared up, uh, feel pretty good about myself. Three months later, go off to college, get a room alone, get a laptop that I've never owned in my life before. Uh, you know, living with people I don't really know that well. I'm not really connected to anybody to go to school with. Uh, rooming with people I knew from high school, but I was never, like, part of, like— their group, so I was always kind of a hmm. an outsider and not in, like, your positive way of outsider. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and so then, you know, I had my laptop, uh, felt kind of lonely a lot, uh, went back pretty quick to the pornography and masturbation. Wait, and- so you're
0: telling me no community, <laughs> no safety to be transparent, no accountability. These were all things that didn't help.
2: Yeah, but at the time, I had no idea that connection would have kept me from all of that. Uh, totally. I just, I, I thought I wasn't good enough at white knuckling,
0: right? Right, and I, and I guess I I, I I named that sarcastically, right? Yeah. Because, like, how would you have known? And I think that's true of so many people's stories, right? Like, here you are, off your mission, going to college, you know, and, and as you name it out loud now, right? We're all sitting here like, ooh, it was like a, <laughs> like, you know... Odds not in your favor, right?
2: Yeah, but still still going to church. I was teaching, yeah. like, our main Sunday school class. It's, like, my favorite favorite assignment I've ever had in church, and I loved it, and I felt like I was pretty good at it. But but just, like, when I was on my mission, I felt like I'm really good at this because I'm putting a lot of time into it, but I I don't know if, like, God's guiding me or helping me teach this class because mm. I've got this other thing I do on the side that nobody knows about. Mm. Uh you know, go through college for about a year, year and a half, and I meet this girl that I really like, uh, and I decide I want to marry her, and so that's where Aubrey comes in the picture, and like everybody else, I think, well, I to get married, and sex will solve pornography and masturbation, and mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if it did, but it worked pretty well for two months or something. I, 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 I have no idea how long it took, but I fell back into that eventually. And then,
0: so so we're gonna put you on pause for a second, kay. really quick. So Aubrey, so tell us about you. So growing up for you, what was the dialogue around sex and porn? That thing that boys, some boys do, and you should avoid them.
3: Um, I'm assuming
0: it was an era- raised in church. What was like? Yeah, what what I, was all of that? God, sex, all this. Like, what was that like for you?
3: And um, so I grew up. My My family was very reserved. Um, I feel like it was always taught that, you know, pornography is bad. Uh, You avoid it if you can. And so me going into it's like, well, I'm not going to date anyone who has this problem. But that's all I knew. And sex, it was never talked about in my, my home. My mom says, if you have questions, you can come to me. But why would I come with questions if they're not coming forth talking about it. Um, So Mm. I remember when we, I think we were talking about getting married and I remember talking to him, just said, oh, do you have a problem with pornography? And he's like, I used to, or at one point in time I did, but I'm good now. And I thought, oh, okay, check them, check the box. We're good. And little did I know that that's, that wasn't one, I don't think the right way to approach it. And two, I was naive in thinking that, oh yeah, I, I can trust him, like there's no issue, so uh, I wish I would have had a better understanding of pornography and how to address it instead of just checking the box of okay, he's had a problem once he's good. Um, so I don't know that's I think my little bit of it that i I wish I we would have had a a better understanding of how to communicate about pornography as a as a teenager, mm-hmm. even.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so, so prior to um, getting married, what was your understanding of sexuality for you?
3: Um, I think for, for me, it was, I think I struggled with, you know, I'd talk with my sisters. I talk with them frequently that they, they were also there for me that, okay, if you have questions, come talk to us, like we're here. but. Um, I think when it came to comparing, like my sister would tell me things, I was like, oh, Brady's like good. Like if I'm struggling or I don't feel like we can be intimate or this or that, that she was like, oh no, that's different. And now I'm looking back going, oh, that's a, that was a red flag that I should have been going if he's okay with me, not being intimate right now, like why is that? Like, I wish I could have understood that me being like, oh, Brady's great. Like, he respects my boundaries. He respects me that if I'm not in the mood that he's okay with it when I think that we could have had a better communication about, hey, we need to work on this. We need to talk about it. I'm struggling with that. So,
1: So Brady, I got a question for you. Um, You talked about going in and talking to your dad slash bishop. And you expect, you got a different response than you expected. Um, I'm curious, um, who was God to you? Who did you expect God to show up as in the form of your dad in that moment, right? We talked about, you named it, putting the face of our father under the face of God. Sounds like you expected somebody else different to show up. Curious who God was to you prior to that moment, who you expected God to be.
2: I think he could have been anybody because I think I didn't really know him. I think, you know, something I was listening to, uh, you know, that Mark said in a recent one I was listening to that uh, you were talking about like you're when you ask questions with your head, but you need an answer to your heart. And I feel like for the first like 22 years of my life, I was just like trying so hard with my head and my knowledge and trying to outwork my sins that like, you know, I believed I knew who God was. I knew that like Christ and his suffering for us was a thing, but I don't think I'd ever like personally felt it in my life. I had had tons of spiritual experiences that I'm like, yeah, this is God, but I never felt like God personally touched my life. I'd saw evidence in like other people's lives. So I think for me, he was just everything I heard from either, Church leaders or stuff I'd heard in school or I just thought, well, God's going to be really disappointed in me. He's going to be really angry, you know, kind of a vengeful God. I think in my mind, I probably thought, well, I'm going to lose my membership in the church or I'm not going to be able to participate like I was before, whether it was like excommunication or like disfellowshipped where I can't do certain things in the church. I think I expect to be like disfellowshipped.
0: Hmm. And Aubrey, for you, who was God to you as you were coming into the marriage?
3: Um, I feel like he was what connected us. I feel like, uh, I think of, I mean, I think of looking at my wedding ring. I remember us talking that, so I have three diamonds on my ring. And Brady made the point at one point that like, the two smaller ones are you and I, and the bigger one's God. Like mm-hmm. he's always going to be a part of uh, us and we have to work together to come closer to him. Um, so I felt like we had to, us being together and always looking to God was um, the relationship that if we're working together, that brings us closer God, Mm
0: -hmm. but what was God's identity? His identity, right? Uh, Because, like, I can say we should get pizza from that place, you know, pizza from the you know, the pizza place, and I might be thinking Papa John's, and my friend Jason here is saying Domino's, right. Mm-hmm. which I think is where a lot of the misunderstanding comes, right? When people talk about, oh, it's this way, it's that way. So like identity, who, what, like if you were to describe him as a person, like I would describe, you know, James. James is, you know, He's, you know, got some good scruff going on, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like how would you describe the identity of God as you saw God coming into your guys' relationship?
3: Uh, I saw him as a, a loving father that was going to help us along the way he I I look at both of our dads and I guess I could put both of our dads on that that they are looking out for our best interests they you know he he wants what's best for us and is gonna love us no matter what through the good and the bad um so I I see the I didn't, I, I I do put my my parent I, my dad on him I guess that it's someone who's Loving and will be there for you no matter what.
0: Yeah. So fast forward us in the story, Aubrey, to um, when disclosure happened. Like, did it did it leak out here and there? Did you confront him? So did he finally drop it on you? How how did it go?
3: There's been a couple times. So within the first year of marriage, we moved in with his parents. We I I had got a new job. Uh, in salt lake so we were just trying to, to transition find a new place to live we were living with his parents and i happened to open the laptop and in the search bar was a uh, naked women or I, it was someone i don't know who it was and i went whoa like my marriage is over like he's looking at pornography what what is going on and uh so i remember talking to him that night and his response was i'll never do it again that was also naive of me to be like, oh, okay. I trust you. Um, and then, did you? No, I didn't. Uh, because I would in secret all the time, I felt like I had to secretly like go through his phone and search his history. What is he looking at? And I always had something nagging at me, like something's going on, but what? And so I was going through search history in his phone. What are you looking at? Uh, And every now and again i'd find something like maybe that's questionable we talk about it um so i i didn't have i i wanted to trust him but i feel like i always secretly had to be monitoring looking for what he was doing um and then fast forward two three years i want to say we had a church lesson and uh they talked about look like you as a spouse can be helpful you can talk to them and say, "Hey, how are you doing with this? What can I help you with um having you know frequent check-ins and that started out, I think where he started kind of to disclose a little bit that it was half truce um, and i I wanted to know, but I didn't want to know the truth that instead of talking to him face to face, I would wait till we were in bed, and then I'd be like, "How are you doing?" with pornography. When was the last time that you saw pornography? And it was easier for me to do that because I I was like, oh, in the dark, maybe he won't see. Lights off, we're not
0: looking at each other. Yep, it's Mm -hmm. easier
3: for me to, okay, he won't see if I'm hurt. I don't know if I want to know the truth about this. Um, I think that's where it started. And then I want to say it was about six months into him being called as bishop that I feel like the disclosure more came out that he said, okay, you know, like, I really did struggle a lot more than you ever knew. And that's when he started opening up, what do you want to know? And we started talking about that. Um, So that was probably a year and a half ago, I want to say, that we had the talk of, okay, what do you want to know? I'm an open book. Um, I haven't had any issues in two-ish years and we you know he he would bring up when he'd have slip-ups and I'd be like oh okay and I think that was still hard for me because later that night he'd be like no don't touch me like you've hurt my feelings like I don't I don't want you to touch me but that's still not the right response either like how is he gonna come clean to me if I am so negative and nope I don't want anything to do with you at the moment but um I think we've started to find a easier way to communicate about it, that things will come up and I'll be like, yeah, that triggers this. And that's why I feel this way or, um, or why I responded this way. So I felt like we kind of had multiple times where different things would come up with kind of disclosing his issue.
1: Yeah. Do you feel like your pain was ever validated by you or him
3: He he would pick up on it, and I, I finally started being able to voice that, like, look, you really hurt my feelings, like, that I don't want anything to do with you in this moment because you've now told me something that, was I not good enough? Was I uh, not what you needed? Uh, and I think he started to see that pain. What hurt
0: the most for you? Like it, like in all of this, right? As you're talking about the feelings, like if we if we moved down the depth chart between all of the things,
3: um, I think what like hurt the most was kind of when he went back and was like, you know, I was in the thick of this when he'd be home staying with our young or our oldest child at the time. But uh, when he was a baby, uh, he's like, yeah, I'd be at home with him, and it was easy. I was home alone and. Uh, and knowing that I'm going to work and he's home looking at pornography or masturbating to that. And I had no idea. Um, I think not knowing that and then feeling like, well, was I not enough then or, and us growing our family, was that, was I not enough? Um, Hmm. And I think the hiding it for so many years, I think that is what I think probably hurt the most is, I I would have gladly helped him or, you know, been there for him had he been open sooner.
0: Yeah, yeah. So for you, Brady, what... So you're in this pattern of, I would use the word spotlighting, where it's like I kind of share what I have to share to kind of get through this moment and smooth things out. And so how did you shift out of that? Because again, I, I can relate. One of the hardest things in my recovery has been being honest. And I've had multiple rounds of like... So just kidding actually and more right. And so as someone who just, you know, I'm I'm curious and, and can learn from you, what um what do you feel like has shifted to being into a place where you feel like you can be just more honest with Aubrey about naming it, owning it, being clear and, and even being like, Hey, and we can talk about all the history now in a real way.
2: Uh, she mentioned that lesson we had at church that was, I mean, that was a huge pivotal moment for me because even though that wasn't like when I came clean, uh, and I, I went home to her and I said like, Hey, you can ask me about this, like check in with me. And I think what I was hoping was going to happen is she was going to say like, Hey, I know you've been looking at like all this pornography, just tell me all about it. But I wasn't like man enough to come forward with all of it. Uh, and so I was hoping she would do that, and she never did, so I thought, oh, I'm actually pretty good at being sneaky, so I guess I can just keep white-knuckling it and hope eventually it just goes away, and maybe I actually live up to what I think I'm going to be, you know, within my beliefs. Uh, and then uh, I got called to be a counselor to our, you know, our version of a pastor or bishop, and... Uh, So assistant
0: pastor, the lead pastor, it's it's still a pretty heavy calling and a leadership calling. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I think I treated it like my marriage. I thought, okay, I'm going to be this now. I'm going to be required to fill the Spirit and live with the Spirit all the time. Uh, And so uh, there I'm fixed again. Uh, For the amount of times in my life, I thought, okay, here we go. I'm good. I'm going to be fixed Uh, without ever actually working through like any recovery or like really my relationship with God. Uh, and guess what? It didn't work. I still had slip ups. They were way less frequent because I think I was busy with better things in my life and my Mm -hmm. slip ups were way less frequent. Uh, and then, and then it got to a point that I'm like, I can't keep living this way. And I think, I don't know if I was in the middle of just like like white knuckling it or if I was in the middle of like, someday I'm going to tell her about this, but it's not going to be today. And then throughout that time period became, you know, bishop or the pastor. Uh, And then that very first week I was kind of handed off someone who was struggling with a pornography issue. And I met with him once. I said, I don't know jack crap about any of this. I said, I better figure this out. And the way that started was, I need to figure out myself. Mm. And you know, I was telling you, that's that's when I Googled, like, pornography LDS recovery stories, and I found a podcast called Leading Saints, and I found a guy that was being interviewed named Steve Shields, and uh, then it was like – then I was hooked. I thought, man, his story just, like, relates to all my – keep trying to muscle through this, keep trying to go through this, like – yeah, I can, I can serve in leadership callings and I can figure this out on my own. But until like I had Christ, and then I feel like I finally started to understand who Christ was and what he was. And then just one day I said, I'm never going to be over this mentally until I turned to her and say, Hey, whatever you want to know. And I said, i just said whatever you want to know ask me uh no questions off laments and i will i will answer it i said i think there's questions you probably don't want to know the answer to and some of them i hope you don't want to ask and like some she still hasn't asked because they're just like not important like some of the stuff that happened in high school like there's some stuff we haven't talked about but like as i mean i I ask her all the time i was like you you good you you good do you want to know and she's like no like i'm good and then i found out like Hey, if we work on connection and don't work on just shaming my bad behaviors, that uh, there's a lot more light there. Yeah.
0: Did that feel different to you when he showed up that time?
3: Uh, yeah. I feel like when he finally came and said, I'll tell you anything. Um, yeah, yeah. Those are stuff that I'm going, oh, well, what did you do as a teenager? And I go, why do I need to know? That's not going to change who you are today. It's not going to change our relationship. And I don't wanna dwell on anything from that part where I was never a part of your life in that uh now if it if it's something you need help with along the way, then yeah, I wanna know that information um but as we drove down here, we were talking, and I felt like as uh when he was when I was going through his phone trying to find out like what are you looking at or what's going on. I would track his phone, like, where are you at? Like, are you really where you say you're supposed to be? Like, and I feel like now I'm like, I don't have an issue. I trust you. Like, you don't have the intent to be where you're not supposed to be. Like, it's not even a concern to me anymore. And I feel like it's because we actually have this connection and the communications open that, you know, that we talk about it and there's no, I have no reason for concern anymore. And I don't feel like there's something nagging at me that I need to be watching for. Yeah.
1: So I'm curious, um, Brady, what you, when you came and talked to Aubrey, you had been sober for a period of time.
2: Yeah, probably been a good, I mean, I don't exactly know, but it had been like, at least six months, probably like eight, nine, ten months, something like
1: that. Okay. Um, curious, kind of what brought you to that place of sobriety. I th-
2: I think it was just that I was finally leaning in to my relationship with God. Uh, you know, the previous uh, bishop, he had done so good at like training me to to actually connect my heart to God and Mm -hmm. quit kind of closing it off. And he was really good about talking about it. One of the things he always said that will stick with me forever. He says like, don't let the waters get cool. He was talking about like, you know, you can jump in a a lake or swim pool or whatever. And eventually you just get acclimated to the water. And sometimes you got to like kind of shock yourself to get like a new feeling. He says like, when you're in these callings, you're going to have experiences and you're going to feel the spirit. Uh, and you're going to get to the point that it just becomes routine, and you're going to forget what it's like. And you got to remember to reinvigorate yourself with God and your relationship with Him. And I started to lean into that. And the more I leaned into that, the more I felt like, like yeah, God, God cares about me individually. Uh, I had been telling people that for eighteen years or however long I had been talking to people about what I believe, but I think I finally started to believe it.
0: Well, and I, I'm going to speak for myself and my friend Jeremy, because he and I have this conversation a lot that it's like, well, so what the hell does lean mean, man? <laughs> like, because we do, we have all these stories. what, ha- and then I was changed and I knew God and I be- and I'm with Jeremy. Like, I I believe people. Like, I I believe. I mean, your heart's here right now, and I believe you. But for people who I don't, and maybe I'm just dumb, right? You Can't like, but but like, what actually changed? Because like, you were going to church and you were still going to church. You were serving in leadership and you were still serving in leadership. Like, you were married to the same person, and I'm assuming she was still the same person. Like, right? Like, what what when you talk about that lean? Like, if I'm someone who's trying to figure out the lean for myself, like, what are you talking about?
2: I think just getting rid of every excuse I had ever made. That, like, and the biggest one I think is just like pulling down those walls off of my heart and saying, I'm not gonna use these walls as excuses to not be connected to God. And I think the biggest one was like shame, the just believing that for so long i believed that that god thought i wasn't good enough and for the first time in my life i i matched that knowledge with what i wanted to believe and i opened up my heart and just kind of said to god like all right i've been telling people about this for a long time i now believe this like be there for me and i think Part of that was my prayer was, if I talk to her about this, is she going to be pissed off and hate me? And then I, I think that's another point in my life where I was able to like actually see God. And it was when I talked to her, she wasn't pissed off at me. She didn't hate me. In fact, it only helped our honesty, our intimacy, our connectedness. And it's like, oh, that's, that's what I've been telling people God's like, but now I believe it because I'm seeing it in you. And seeing how you can be, like, forgiving of me and accepting of me. And now I know who, who God is because of that.
1: So, Aubrey, I have a question for you. Of, um, how did you start to answer, the? I guess, the question that you are enough? I know that Tim, looking at pornography, made you question that. Um, how did you find that answer?
3: Um, when we started talking about things like we would talk about like the pictures he was looking at and he's like, I love this about you. And that person has nothing like this. This was, um, it just fulfilled the need of at the time. Um, and then at one point we had talked and he said, look, like you were gone camping. I was home alone and, I ended up masturbating, but I did it to your picture. Like it wasn't someone else. It wasn't, uh, he's like, I want you. And I think at that first I was like, okay, that's all right. And then as later as I thought, I was like, "Mm, I don't know if I feel okay with that even still, that how easy would it be for you to slip up or rationalize that? Oh, like I can look at you or a picture of you that I really like and it'd be okay. Okay. I can, go look at someone else. Um, so we talked about that. And, um, I think that it helped kind of visualize that it wasn't that he was looking for anything specific in my eyes that he, he was using me for the time being. And I went, okay, I, I don't feel like you've replaced me as a person. And then us talking, uh, And being able to be open and talking has brought it around that I'm like, oh, like, it's the communication, the relationship we have is what he's looking for and needs and that we need. And it's, he didn't have that with, you know, pornography.
1: So it's the intimacy, the emotional, intellectual, all of that intimacy that you felt like you connected some dots on that that's really what he was looking for. Yep. So...
2: And I, I think that was a big turning point for me uh, when I read that in a Brene Brown book that she kind of told a story about. She was teaching a lecture to students, and they were like fighting each other with each other. And the you know, some guy stood up and said, "Look, we don't care what you look like. We don't care, yeah, uh, you know what you look like. We don't care, uh, you know how you f- how you think you look in this moment. Like the fact that we're being intimate with each other, the fact that we're you know physically sharing this moment together." That's what we care about because you think that we're good enough for you and that's all we care about. And that was a big realization for me that all my pornography, I was just searching for quick, quick validation of who I was, you know, with kind of a kind of a decent physical payoff. But what I really wanted was connection and I wanted to be open, honest, sincere with somebody. And I found that once I finally started talking to her.
0: And I think I want to name like there's not a specific recipe for that. I think that's part of why me and Jeremy get so frustrated and others because I'm like, you know it's like, hey, can we as an earn it guy right like I'm like, totally just give me the list like if it's if it's wake up and run this and do that or say these words, but um intimacy isn't that way, right like there's a uniqueness to the meaning of of gestures and words and um. And so, no, I love that. And so I guess a a place I want to go and pivot is, um, so like you're a bishop. So one thing, our leading saints friend, by the way, if you don't listen to leading saints, I don't know what you're doing. It's a better podcast than this. You should go listen to it. uh, Kurt's amazing. But um, one thing uh, he always says is he's like, when we get put into leadership roles, and and I think this is true in any church setting, family setting, work setting, you're kind of handed a mask, right? Of, like, you are now the ideal. I remember my neighbor got made um, bishop and he, like, moses lawnmower, re- repainted the house because he now feels like he has this onus to, like, you know, look, look, the neighborhood should look good, right? And if I'm not doing it, it's so, um, did you, so first I just want to ask, did you feel, did you feel that masking happen? Well,
2: it was fall of 2020, so I literally had to wear a mask to church. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, Metaphorically, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm really good friends with the previous bishop, and we got to be really good friends. Yeah. And, you know, we have talked about multiple times how when you get put in these roles, people expect you to fulfill a need for them. And that need is, well, we want you to be like the most Christ like person we know. So you got to act and think and do certain things. And then, it, you know, it only takes a few times of me being around the youth and, like, losing my temper and yelling that, you know, people realize I'm pretty imperfect and then I got to say to everybody, like, look, I'm sorry, I'm working on this. I'm trying. Uh, but, yeah, you've, that feels like a pretty big burden. And I think maybe part of that burden helped me get honest with Aubrey, too, that, like, I can't fake this. And the longer I fake it, the more it's just going to hurt me. Hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I definitely felt like that. Mm-hmm.
0: So um, do you feel like being open about your personal stuff has kind of helped you in that demasking, is what I'm hearing you say?
2: Yeah, and I mean, and if there's one thing I've learned, that the reasons we do things should be for us and we shouldn't seek that validation from other people. So whether it's Aubrey, whether it's my congregation at church, whether it's my parents, like I finally said, like, I want to do this for me. Like I, I would love for it if it would just help everybody. I would love if people didn't have to go through some of the really hard stuff. I feel like we've been through in our relationship because of this, but I finally felt like oh, I'm, I'm going to get honest about this. I want to do this because this is good for me. This is good for my relationship with God. And when I started seeking my validation from God, because I found out like he doesn't let you down. Like when he promises all the things that he promises, like, He keeps those promises. I let Aubrey down all the time. She lets me down once in a while, not as frequently as I let her down. But like, when you seek the validation from the right places, life gets a lot easier.
0: Mm -hmm. How do you feel people have received you as a leader being so unashamed?
2: (laughs) Uh, The thing that surprised me the most is how people received my wife over me I think I think more people went to her is like oh I can't believe you're dealing with this and I think that might be mm. maybe like female sympathy a little bit too that they're well, a little th- better at she's that she's here
0: so we can
3: just ask her <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that him being open yeah I did have a lot of people reach out and be like oh I didn't know you were dealing with this and I was like oh this isn't like right now like I'm okay like we've worked through this Um, and so seeing that, but I've also had people come and be like, I want to talk to you. I want to know like your thoughts on this or that. Um, but I think when he's opened up to like our youth about it, that they also see that, oh, like the Bishop is not perfect. And like, he's had similar struggles, um, that he's dealt with and, he's easier to talk to knowing that he's not put on a pedestal. Um, I feel like I'm put on a pedestal. Sometimes you're the bishop's wife. No, no, don't. I'm not perfect. Nowhere near. Mm. Uh, But I feel like it's opened up communications for both of us that if they don't feel comfortable talking to Brady, that sometimes it might be easier to talk to a female or, uh, And ask questions. So I feel like it's been a good communication that people are realizing that we're not perfect, we're all learning, and we can learn from one another.
0: Well, and to dispel for the leaders, do you feel like you've lost authority? Cause that's a question I've gotten from bishops and like, oh, like then people would be like, this guy's a joke. Like, why is he in charge? Right. Or people wouldn't respect me or like that, that relationship wouldn't happen. Right. And so do you feel like you've lost, you know, trust, right. Authority that you're trustworthy, that you're someone who can lead. Like, do you feel like you've lost leadership
2: no, I think it's like any relationship, just like where I thought if I came clean to Aubrey, she would go the opposite direction. Instead, she just embraced me. I think, you know, it's a Brene Brown thing. Like, you show vulnerability, you're going to get vulnerability. And uh, mm. I think I've seen that. I I haven't magically fixed people. The people that, uh, you know, I've talked to in my life, whether it's either in church or friends. I actually had friends that reached out to me because I kind of like put a post on Facebook a little more generic than what we're doing here. But people reach out and so said, like, yeah, I get it. I struggle with that, too. It's not like we've cured them from their issues because uh, sure. people still have to go through their own work and have to find their own relationship with God. And it hasn't solved anything in that way. But I mean, people are a lot more open to discuss it. And, yeah, I definitely haven't lost anything, at least in my eyes. Maybe 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 we should pull my <laughs> congregation. <laughs> we actually did. And the
0: results we have. No, just kidding. Uh, what has it done for your— recovery, and your guys' relationship?
2: Uh, I don't know if everything is an answer, but just all the time we're just talking about how good this is. I think it was it was last night or the night before. And I was, like, showing her a picture on my phone. And I went into text message. And I, sometimes in, you know, being Bishop, there are some sensitive things that I get that, sure. you know, we aren't able to share, but uh, we're able to talk about quite a bit. Uh, and... I said, you know how great it is for to know that like you can pick up my phone, and I'm not like, oh, crap, did I delete it? You know, I I haven't had that feeling in such a long time, and that feels so good. And like that connection piece, and then to know that, you know, if we go out to eat or we go drive somewhere, that we're not just going to sit there and not really talk to each other because both of us don't really know what connection is like. Uh, like that's been that's been huge, and that we just have so much more to talk about and be there for each other
1: so Brady you um, it's pretty clear talking to you that you have some pretty tender feelings about our Savior Um, tell us a little bit about who he is to you now Uh,
2: there's a picture that isn't I don't think super common in our culture but there's a picture of Christ and he's I don't know 12 years old, and he's walking alongside his dad, Joseph, and they both have a big beam that they're carrying. Each of them has a beam, and they're just walking step, like stride and stride. And I've always believed that, like, Christ carries our burdens, and I don't think I ever knew what that meant until I finally decided to open up to people about it and figure out that it's not something I had to work for that it's not something I had to do on my own. And so, that picture of a little boy Jesus and his dad carrying those beams, walking stride for stride, for me, that's who God is now. It's, I got something hard I'm dealing with, but so does he, and he's going to be here every step with me until I don't want to be anymore. And I believe more now than ever that the agency, the right to make choices is really the best gift God has given us. And he's going to allow me to choose him every day.
3: And I think uh, for me, I think through this calling that he's had, that it's made me realize I struggled. I struggled with, how I felt like my husband was taken and he's going to help people. But for me, it was, you're taking from my family time, the time I get to spend with my husband, and then seeing some success stories that he's helping bring people back into Christ and Christ is waiting for us with open arms and through the good and the bad, uh, we can't stop seeking Christ when we're fine and we don't have issues I feel like in the good Christ is there by us and in the bad he's right there holding us up and it took me a while to realize that through my tough times that I felt like I was forgotten or things like that and I've been able to realize that he's been by my side and holding me. And um, I don't think I ever felt like my relationship was, I felt like you're taught that, oh, Christ is there and you have a relationship with him. And I feel like I found that with Brady, that through things that he's done, through pornography, repenting, that... I have to forgive like Christ too. Like I can't hold that against him because our savior is there and forgiving him. And who am I to hold that against him? If I'm trying to be like the savior as well.
0: And I want to name as we wrap right here. um, I had an interesting experience when, right before we hit record So James and I are sitting on one side of the table Brady and Aubrey are sitting on the other side of the table And the microphones were pointed Kind of outwards from each other And so um, Brady kind of said Kind of half joking but his body Looked really uncomfortable <laughs> He was like oh, I just feel like I'm so far Away from you referring to you Aubrey right like I'm So far away um, And uh, So like oh you can like move the Microphones move. so he moves And he scoots real close Um, right before you guys are doing this vulnerable thing and sharing your story. And so what did that scooting close mean for you?
2: Uh, That I think, you know, when we get married, we promise that we're going to be there for each other. And... I finally believe that. I think, you know, early on, I said, like, well, I'll be there for you. But now I act like it. I don't, I don't know that, that – I mean, my dad used to give me the advice. He said, hey, pick somebody who you can go through hell with because there's going to be moments that you're going to do that. And I felt like that's who I was picking, but I didn't really know, like, what the extent of that was going to be until these last few years. Uh and I have no idea what trials are ahead of us, but like, I feel like now we're we're willing to do anything together and be there for each other.
0: I wanted to be like to have you just tell her that. I,
2: I like now. You want me to tell.
0: Like her? now, yeah. Like, so move that microphone with us, so we all stay with you. Just turn it. Like I'm ready to do
2: anything with you, and I know that we can.
3: And I believe it.
2: And that, I mean, doing that now when we talk, uh, you know, I think this is something that, you know, she hasn't shared, but now when we lay in bed and have our conversations, uh, we look each other in the eye, the lights are on, uh, totally different atmosphere. And you would think it's more awkward and more weird, but I mean, it's it's been amazing for us and our connection.
0: Yeah, And if you guys had a song for us to end with that represents that connection that you guys have and connection to God, as you know, we do a song, so whatever you want the song to be.
2: We didn't talk about one together, but the other night she, I listened to music a lot in the shower and I was listening to a song that she was like, what, what the crap you listen to? I was like, like, this is my song. This is, this is my Steve song. Uh. And on my mission, uh, when our ward mission leader in Carbondale, Illinois, introduced me to this song called One Touch by Nicole C. Mullen. Uh, and it's a non-denominational Christian. She might be denominational. I actually don't know. Uh, but she's singing about uh, the woman who went and touched Christ's hem of his garment in the crowd. And for me, this journey is that I always knew that Christ was walking around in the crowd I was in. I never let him be far from me, but I never believed that if I had just reached out and touched him, that my life would get better. And once I finally decided to push through a couple people, even though he's only a few feet away and just touch the hem of his garment, that I could be made whole. And that the things that I was struggling with, he would take from me.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Brady and Aubrey, for sharing your hearts with us. And um, if you want to drink the Kool-Aid... That Brady and I are drinking on, we invite you to go to unashamedunafraid.com slash donate um, and become an outsider. Or outsiders of those who are bold, sect- accepted, and unashamed, um, who, which is a, a beautiful community. And we invite you to join the movement with us there. Donate any number that you can and join us and uh, for the bonus content and other things. And so, and if you are uh, feeling the pull of whether God's really going to show up for you and have a need, we invite you, if you have a need and need help with your recovery, um, to go to our scholarship page, Unashamed Unafraid. slash scholarships and apply. You are worthy um, and deserving, and we want to help you out. Um, And to follow us on social media at Unashamed and Afraid on Instagram and Facebook. And so with all of that, the last thing we'll ask is give us five stars on iTunes. That's how the world judges us and populates whether or not we will show up in that search bar in which Brady um, found my story and we connected. So um, with that, um, we'll say thank you again. And... um, We will go ahead and uh, end with One Touch by Nicole C. Mullen.
4: Been ostracized for 12 years. I'm used to being alone. Spend everything It's gone, I'm used to being put down, my issues tell it all, my only hope is anchored in this fall, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know. If only one touch So many people calling How could he ever know That just the brush of him Would stop the flow If he knew, would he rebuke For it's now, if I could just touch the hymn of His garment. Oh, oh, oh and how I have